0: A lot of pressure on Robert Sala and Joe Douglas entering 2024. What do they need to do to keep their jobs and maybe even get a contract extension? We'll talk about it today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreenation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the show. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first order. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com. Well, today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Each Wednesday, we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. And our first question is about the head coach and general manager of the New York Jets. John, what do Joe Douglas and Robert Sala need to do to get a contract extension? So I think Joe Douglas is going to get a contract extension. And I think it's going to come soon. So hear me out on this. Joe Douglas is actually entering the final season of his original contract. He got a six-year contract when he signed with the Jets in 2019. So we're now through five seasons. And part of the reason Joe Douglas demanded the six-year contract was first of all, he was in a position to do it because the Jets really wanted him when they signed him back in 2019. They he also signed it because he got signed at a he got hired at a very unusual point in time. And it was at free agency and the draft had been conducted and the jets essentially spent two years worth of cap space on the free agent class in 2019, and then fired Mike McKagan, the guy that gave all the contracts out. So Douglas was not really able to get to work until year three. And part of it, I think, was knowing that, knowing that the team would probably not be successful the first two years, he wanted a lot of job security. Well, now we're entering what will be year six for Douglas. And Woody Johnson's bringing him back. I mean, there's no question about it. I don't think Douglas is in danger of suffering the fate of McKagan and like getting fired after the draft this year. But just for optics, teams in the NFL typically do not like having their coach or GM enter the final year of the contract because it creates a distraction. It leads to questions whether the team's committed to them. So I do expect Joe Douglas is going to get a contract extension. Now, it's only going to be like maybe like a one to two year contract extension. And this is I'm not breaking news. You know, if you're listening to this and you do not write that John is saying that John is reporting that Joe, I'm making an educated guess. This was actually a similar situation to what Rex Ryan was facing after the 2013 season where the Jets brought him back, but they didn't want to commit long-term to him. That said, I think Douglas is on the hot seat this year. And I think Sal is on the hot seat this year. And that's right. Look, this is year six. And I told you what the obstacles were the first two seasons. And if you go back and review my podcast from Douglas's first two seasons, even his first three seasons... I said, you know what? It was going to take some time to clear things up. Well, now we're past that point. We're past the point where you can say, you know, Douglas has not had ample time. We're past the point where we, we can say that there have been too many obstacles in Douglas's place. This is year six. You know, we want to give, cut him some slack year one, year two. I did. Even year three, that was like the first season of the real rebuild. Okay. Well, now we're a couple of years down the line. Now we got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. How many years does the GM need to produce a playoff team? Not a Super Bowl team. A playoff team make the playoffs in today's NFL you need to be the seventh best team out of sixteen in your conference. So you just need to be a little bit above the median. That doesn't seem like a lot to ask once in six years, and I'd say the same for Robert Sala. You know, look, twenty twenty one is was his first year. That was kind of the first year of the real Douglas overhaul, and that season you knew the Jets were going to be bad. Salah was kind of following the blueprint they had in San Francisco when Salah was on Kyle Shanahan's staff when they first took over in 2017. And they got really young. They said, we're going to be inexperienced. We're going to be bad for a year. We're going to get young guys some reps. And we think in the long run, it'll make them better. Well, Jets went from four wins Salah's first year to seven his second to seven his third. So I think you could say the progress is stalled. But again, this is year four. There have been no playoffs yet. It's very unusual a coach misses the playoffs three straight years in the NFL and keeps his job. You know, uh, let me give you an example. Tom Coughlin, who won two Super Bowls with the Giants, he got four years and then he was fired. You know, you know, I think after 2015, the Giants, they technically phrased it as like a parting of ways because they didn't want to make it sound like they fired Coughlin. But Coughlin was fired after 2015. So, if Salah misses the playoffs, this year, that's four years. The Giants got rid of a coach who won two Super Bowls for missing the playoffs four straight years. Robert Salah has not had a winning season in his entire career, and he's getting a fourth year. That's more than generous. So, I, you know, I think that it's fair to say that these jobs deserve to be in jeopardy because at some point, like, the expectations aren't that high to make the playoffs. I think if they make the playoffs, they will get an extension. But, that's, uh, you know, and, and I think it'll be a more substantive extension. If Douglas is going to get like a paper extension. You'll get like an extension for appearances. But I think they're they're a playoff berth away from getting a real extension, both of them. Now, is that right? I don't know. I, I think that sometimes teams are too backward looking when they make these decisions. And let me give you an example right now elsewhere in the NFL. Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Now, at the time we are recording this podcast, Sirianni is still the Eagles head coach, but there have been rumors that maybe he's out in Philly. Now, if you look at his tenure with the Eagles, three playoff berths in three years, went to the Super Bowl, almost won the Super Bowl one of those three years, you'd say, that's crazy. Based on the resume, based on looking backwards, it's tough to argue that Sirianni deserves to be fired. However, I think there is actually a pretty good argument for firing Sirianni because it looks like he's lost the team. So I think there needs to be more than just like looking at the track record. Now, if the track record's really bad. I think it's okay to look at the track record when the team's not winning and say, you know what, these guys got to go. But I think just winning in the past is not necessarily a sign you should keep your guys around. You need to you need to kind of balance the past in the future. So let's say Salah and Douglas get to the playoffs this year. Well, you know it's a team that's gone all in. They should make the playoffs. The question is whether they've built something sustainable, and that's going to require more nuance. You know, it's going to be it's a good question, and we're going to talk a lot about this this offseason. Are they investing in free agency and guys who are like in their mid-20s, guys who are entering their prime, guys who are going to be good for the Jets for a long time? We know Aaron Rodgers is only here another year or two, but the team around him, are they building up players who are going to help this team for quite a while, or are they just bringing in a bunch of old guys who are friends with Aaron Rodgers to try and win it all once, and then who cares about the future? If it's the former, then I could see an argument for keeping Douglas and Tala around. If it's the latter... You know, are you really doing any favors by bringing these, you know, these guys are essentially just putting it all on the credit card? That's really what they would be doing if they brought in a bunch of older guys who are friends of Aaron Rodgers. You, you'd have to create a lot of short-term cap space. You'd have to turn a lot of big cap hits to the future. So if you're doing that, you're not really building something sustainable. And even if you make the playoffs next year, I don't know that they necessarily deserve to stay. So, you know, it's a question of, with the Jets as always on this show, it's a question of what should happen versus what will happen. What will happen is it probably a playoff berth gets them legitimate extensions. What should happen is if there's no playoffs, they should be gone. If they make the playoffs, I think you have to look at: did we build something sustainable here? Did we build something? do we build a team that you know, even with Rodgers gone, we plug a, a quality quarterback in here, we're going to be okay? Or is it, you know, what we we went all in, now we I need to totally tear it down and rebuild? For me, that's what the question should be. That head here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to players, hopefully, who will be with the Jets for a long time. We're going to talk about the draft, and we're going to talk about plenty, but we're going to talk plenty about the draft in the days and weeks ahead, but we're going to keep an eye on what the Jets should be focusing on as they enter the NFL draft. I'll give you some thoughts on that as we continue this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today I want to tell you how I really feel about something. You may be thinking the same thing this week. The Jets. I mean, how many bad seasons have we had to watch from this team? How many ridiculous moves, how many bad hires, how many bad signings, bad trades, bad draft picks? It's just so frustrating to be a Jets fan. And, you know, that's just that's just football though. It's not that big of a deal. Real life can be a big deal, though, and therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by Prize PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you get to pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players across different sports or leagues. For example, you could take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made and receptions. And you should know that Picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. And PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance. Visit prizepicks.com slash locked on and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's using Prize Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. A big shout out to you, Everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. We continue now with our weekly mailbag. Our next question, John. Joe Douglas has had one historically great draft, and the rest have left a lot to be desired. Some of the issues I see are that Douglas loves very athletic players and overlooks pretty significant flaws in how they actually perform on the field. What does Joe Douglas need to do in order to really nail this upcoming draft? That That is a very astute point, and that is... Yeah, that is maybe maybe Joe Douglas's biggest flaw. Now, I think like the problem with like sometimes some of our analysis is we look at some of the flaws in our GM and what they do, and we just assume that like there's like a blanket lesson to be learned by this because a lot of the mistakes Joe Douglas has made has been simply just focusing too much on traits, getting guys who are very raw athletes, but maybe are not great football players. Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with focusing on traits. There are lots of teams that have had a lot of success. In fact, Joe Douglas learned to focus on traits from his mentor, Ozzie Newsom, who was one of the great GMs in the NFL. Ozzie Newsom was a great player back in the day with the Cleveland Browns. Um, and that's very, it's very unusual that a great player turns into a great GM. I mean, you have Ozzie Newsom, you have John Lynch, who uh, the 49ers GM, who was a fantastic safety in his playing days with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Denver Broncos. Usually great players do not turn into great GMs. Ozzie Newsom was one. Ozzie Newsom did focus on traits, though. He wanted big guys, he wanted strong guys, he wanted fast guys, he wanted athletic guys. If you look through the years, the Ravens have done a fantastic job of drafting great athletes and molding them into great players. Perfectly valid strategy. I mean, look, are you telling me on a football field that size is irrelevant? That, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether your guy's big or small? You're telling me on the football field it doesn't make a difference whether your player's fast or slow? Traits matter. Here's the thing, though. If you're going to draft and like really focus on traits and say, like, this is the number one thing, you got to be good at identifying the types of prospects that your coaching staff can develop. I don't think Douglas has done a good job with this. I don't think Douglas has identified the right types of prospects. And we can go back to his first draft. Makai Becton, you know, over Tristan Wirfs. And look, you can go back to my podcast at the time. And I said, you know, this that was the home run swing. Becton had more impressive traits than Werfs. Werfs w- was—I you know, I hate to use the term "sure thing" because there's no sure thing in the draft. But Werfs was like a pretty good bet to be a really good player. The question was: It was would Becton hit his ceiling? Because if Beckton hit his ceiling, in theory, like he could be like a, a phenomenal player, perhaps better than Werfs. Well, Douglas did not identify that correctly. You go back to that draft: Denzel Mims, guy who had great physical traits, but really. Wasn't much, you know, did not have like the basics of playing the receiver position. Don't listen to those podcasts because I was praising the pick of Denzel Mims. That one I loved. Yeah, that was that was a, not, not my best moment. Um you know, you can go through it. Um, you know, Elijah Moore, very maybe not big, but very fast. Zach Wilson, the big arm. You know, Doug Douglas fell in love with the big arm with Zach Wilson. So you look at that 2022 draft. What did the Jets get? They got phenomenal athletes. I mean, nobody's gonna say Sauce Gardner's slow. Garrett Wilson's a great athlete. Tell me Brees Hall's not a great athlete, but they had guys who like had more refined skill sets and look, it's always a balance because you can have a guy with a great, with a great skill set. If he's slow and he's small, he's probably not going to succeed in the NFL. So it's like, how much emphasis do you put on one? How much do you put on the other? You put like 80% on traits, you know, like 20% on technical refinement. Um, So I think maybe the Jets should put a little bit more emphasis on technical refinement and a little bit less on athletic because it, A more balanced pick, again, like in 2020, would have been Tristan Wurps, who maybe wasn't quite the athlete Becton was, but still plenty good enough to succeed in the NFL. And it was much more refined and much better bet to be a good player. And in the draft, like, there's so much uncertainty anyway that maybe it's a good idea to focus on refinement a little bit more. Because there's always, like, a gamble when you're bringing in the raw prospect. You don't know, like, whether – you don't really know whether or not they can develop if you have a guy who's already developed, it can be very helpful for your team. So that would be my focus if I were the Jets. I, I think, like, I am not saying, like you get rid of, like, the idea. That you, you, I'm not saying, like, you bring in guys, you disregard size, you disregard speed. But maybe focus a little bit more on traits. And if a guy's much more refined and a little bit less athletic, take him over the guy who's just, like, got the unbelievable tools but has zero technical refinements. Next question, uh, John. I listened to for several. I listened to several podcasts on the team, and you continue to give the most level-headed analysis of the madness that surrounds the Jets. And I appreciate you owning up to your mistakes you made in earlier predictions. Well, thank you. Uh, the question is: Given what's reported to be limited cap space and the wide range of needs, it seems a given that Bryce Huff is gone, how realistic is it to expect that with what is available, the Jets can restock the offensive line and add two quality receivers behind Garrett? I don't think half space is necessarily going to be the biggest impediment to that because there are a couple of different mechanisms the jets can use. The one that I don't love, but they're probably gonna have to use a little bit is you can take you, you can restructure contracts and you know I, I won't go into like the specifics now because it gets rather complicated, but you can go you can go into contracts and if a guy's got a big big hit this big cap hit this year, you can usually cut his hit this year, but you guarantee you just push the hit to next year. The other thing you could do is backload contracts which has a you know a very you can you can create a contract which has a small first year cap hit and then a bigger cap hit year 2 year 3. Now the challenge with that is that if you have a big first year cap hit you can usually like put most of the mo- guaranteed money in year 1 and then you don't have much guaranteed money after year 1 so it gives you more flexibility. If you backload the deals it gives you less flexibility because if you're not giving out much money in year 1 and you're giving the guy a lot of guaranteed money well that guaranteed money goes to year 2 year 3. I think the bigger issue is just there's not a lot of great players available at positions the Jets need, especially the offensive line. Um, you know, they're they're really, and that's really where I, I struggle. This, I think receiver's a little bit better. Receiver, at least on paper right now, you've got T. Higgins available. You've got Michael Pittman Jr. Now some of those guys may be franchised. Calvin Ridley's going to hit the market. Maybe a lower-level option, uh, Tyler Boyd with the Bengals. They're, they're actually on paper, and you know, they, that could change. A lot of these guys won't hit the market. But on paper, there are some decent wide receivers out there of course you do have the draft uh but you know there's only one first round pick this year for the jets uh so i think the challenge is like they are really not uh, there're not a lot of tackles who intrigue me though and i think that that might be the bigger issue is you know good offensive linemen don't hit the market these days because there's such a shortage in the NFL so i think it's not going to be as like the caps of the cap is, it will constrict the jets to a degree i think the jets can work around that though i think the bigger issue is just the players who are available to this team and that that could be you know that 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 could really limit the team's options. Now, during the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to the quarterback because, as we all know, quarterback play lifts everything else up. What are reasonable expectations for Aaron Rodgers entering twenty twenty four? I have some thoughts on that. I'll tell you what they are. Continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Lockdown Jets. This episode of Lockdown Jets is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of life. Let's talk a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. It's scary stuff. And there's no more helpless feeling than a loved one getting sick while a supply chain issue keeps them from getting the medication they need. Thankfully, you can be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your first order. Again, jacemedical.com, code Locked On to get $20 off your first order. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday. We're doing our weekly mailbag show. We continue our next question. Watching young playoff quarterbacks like Stroud and Love, not to mention Mahomes and Allen, play smart, throw receivers open, and extend plays with their legs. What are your thoughts about Rodgers being able to do the same next year at 40 to 41, coming off an Achilles injury? Assuming he's healthy and the offensive line is passable and the team improves on offense, what do you think about Rodgers' ability to lead the Jets to a deep run in 2024 in an AFC filled with young, talented quarterbacks? Yeah, good question there. And... Yeah, the a- AFC's got a lot of quarterback talent. So there's no question about it. Um, look, I-, I think the Jets are going to be in the playoff mix next year. Most teams are. I mean, the very—I mean, the Jets were one. Jets were the second team eliminated from the playoffs this year, and there were three weeks left in the season. So, as long as Roger stays healthy, as long as the Jets don't suffer any other crazy injuries, I, I wouldn't expect the Jets to be a team that's in the playoff mix. And if you make the playoffs, I mean, it's a Single elimination tournament, and as we all know, anything can happen in a one-game scenario. Um, so you know, I think there were there were three things that were pointed out about the way these quarterbacks are playing. It's they play smart, they throw receivers open, and they extend plays with their legs. So play smart, Aaron Rodgers is as smart of a quarterback as there is. And I think, like, Rodgers is going to make things better. I think one area that really stands out is, like, the pre-snap stuff. And I've mentioned this. I think Zach Wilson improved in the pre-snap area of his game. I think a lot of that might have been stuff he learned from Rogers, but Zach Wilson, you know, Zach Wilson pre-snap 2023, that, that may be better than Zach Wilson's first two years. It's nowhere near the level of Rogers. Rogers just like can see things at the line and adjust them on the fly. I mean, I think back to the preseason which feels so long ago when he, he, he only played one game and he threw a touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. It was actually a run play and he essentially made a signal to Garrett Wilson. He saw a matchup that he liked. So he just made a signal and Garrett Wilson ran a route. If you watch that play over, Everybody else was like operating like it was a run play. The offensive linemen were, were run blocking. The running back thought he was going to get the ball. Rogers just saw something at the line, so he's going to be able to like do these things like at the line. He's going to like just maybe adjust one guy's route based on leverage or something like that. It's going to open up a lot in this offense. He's going to play smart. Uh, you know, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, is he going to be able to? Ex- uh, is he going to be able to throw receivers open? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers again. He's, I think he's he's done his whole career. He's excellent at that. You know, he he can find, like, the smallest window and put the ball on the money. Is he going to be able to extend plays with his legs? I think the answer to that is no. And that's no small deal because a lot of Rogers', uh specialness has been, you know, he hasn't maybe not been the, the most dynamic scrambler. He's not, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. Never has been. But he's been great at, like, breaking the pocket. Those, you know, moving left, moving right. And even before the injury, you saw that that was not back in his last couple of years in Green Bay, he kind of lost that ability, and it's natural as you age. And now he's coming off an Achilles injury. And if you know there's one thing an Achilles injury does to a guy in his late 30s, early 40s in the NFL, it really hinders their ability to move. And that's by the way, that's why the offensive line is so important. That's why it's critical that the Jets address this offensive line this offseason because Rogers is probably going to be more confined to the pocket than he's ever been in his career. And if, even if, like, you go back to his last season in Green Bay, his success rate on plays outside the pocket had gone down. It's not going to get better, most likely. If you keep him upright, if you block effectively, if you protect him, all that other stuff, you know, comes into play. He'll still be really smart. He'll still throw guys open. He just can't. He just can't be under duress anymore because he's not going to be able to beat guys himself. He's not going to be able to extend plays to the degree he used to be able to. Now, if the Jets like build a great offensive line around him, this guy's the limit for this team. You know, can the Jets go on a deep run? I, they will. They will not be the favorite. I, I don't think that there. This is going to be a team that enters the season as like one of the top three choices in the AFC. Even this year, when they had all the hype, I don't think anybody really said that they were a top three team in the conference. Uh, if they build a great offensive line, though, I mean, they could. They could. They'll probably be able to fight with anybody next year. But as I mentioned in the last segment, not so easy. Uh, it's going to be tough because there aren't a lot of great offensive line options available. I think the team has a really good chance of uh, if rogers stays healthy of breaking that 13-year playoff drought though and once you get in again maybe you pull an upset or two you know anything can happen in a one-game scenario our last questions from peter in the uk john the draft class is supposed to be loaded with quality offensive line candidates based on this would you trade back from the number 10 pick and hope to get a starter on the offensive line in the late first or early second rounds and you add the extra picks or would you rather stay put Do you have any second or third round projected offensive linemen in mind who could be starters? So the second question, I'm still early in the process, so we'll probably get closer. I'll probably give you some names as we get closer to the draft. I I don't have anybody in mind just yet. Um, In general, I'm a big fan of trading down. I think especially this year, trading down makes sense for the Jets because they lack a second round pick. And it goes beyond the offensive line. You're always trying to balance the short run in the long run. It's really difficult in the long run when you go multiple years short on draft picks. You know, last year, the Jets were without a third-round pick. This year, they're without a second-round pick. You know, you can't keep... These things add up over time. If you're not constantly infusing your team with young talents, it becomes tricky. And maybe it doesn't appear in year one, but like three, four years down the line, you start to notice this stuff. I think the other thing you got to understand is just in... And again, this is another theoretical thing. It's like a big-picture team-building concept. The NFL teams actually do a pretty good job at identifying who the good players are going to be but they're not always great at like figuring out like, okay, these are the five elite prospects. They're pretty good at like figuring those guys out. They're not always great at like ranking. This guy's the best. This guy's the second best. Lots of times, you know, they get that wrong. I mean, not, not the offensive line, but Justin Jefferson was the fifth wide receiver off the board in 2020. And there were some good names on that list. So like they got like the guys who are good, right? At the wide receiver position that year, they just didn't rank them that well. Um, And that's something that's pretty common. You know, it's, it's frequently the case where, like, the second or third best guy at a given position ends up being the best at his position in the draft class. So, with that in mind, there's a lot of uncertainty in the draft. Teams are overconfident in their ability to project these guys, and there's a lot that's is difficult to project in the draft. I mean, try and project the next 10 years of anything happening. Now you're going to project the next 10 years about, I mean, it doesn't have to be football, project something for 10 years. You're probably going to get a lot wrong because there's a lot you're not going to expect. Trying to project a draft prospect, how his career is going to play out over the next decade, easier said than done. And I think that the great teams in this league, what you see is that they tend to have – the reason that they are great is that they draft well. And the reason they tend to draft well is that they have more picks than everybody else. It's not so much that they're smarter. It's not so much that they evaluate talent better. I mean, to a degree they do. But it's more that they just give themselves more chances to get it right. They give themselves, they build in a margin for error where even if I have so many picks that even if I miss on a few, even if some of my evaluations are wrong, we're still going to get a lot of good players here. So in general, I'm always a proponent of training down. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show and are listening on the podcast, first, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.